Hello, everybody. We are talking about harmful drawing myths. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't take an art class, we've got everything you need here. Art Prof critiques, tutorials, professional development, and workshops. I hear this all the time. Substitute whatever tool or approach using, let's say, a projector is cheating. Using the grid method for drawing is cheating. Why do you think, Dorian, people equate that with cheating? Because to me, cheating is plagiarism. I think the biggest reason that people complete or relate them to each other is they see it as the easy way out versus it being a method or a tool that someone's used to develop their craft to be faster. As long as they've made everything, I personally don't feel like it's cheating. But if they're looking at a photo from Google, then it's cheating. I just think that, for example, tracing, people will say, oh, well, I, I should be able to draw it and not be able to trace it. There's a lot of circumstances where it just doesn't make sense to do all that. I mean, if you're doing a mural and it's six feet tall, well, you're going to draw that from scratch, of course you're going to use a projector. And so I just feel like <laughs> online, there's a lot of shame for using certain tools. Why do you think that is? Because people are told so frequently that they shouldn't use a tool uh, and that everyone has their own method in making that they believe is right and everyone else is wrong. Wouldn't you agree? Like, I think that as online teachers as well, you would have a good read on this situation. <laughs> I'm always suspicious when people teach or give advice and it's spoken through hyperbole. This is the best, the best way to do this. Or this is the worst. Never, ever do it like this. You will be a terrible artist if you do this. And I don't really know why the internet promotes such a black and white point of view, because it certainly is not that straightforward. Do you think it's just mm -hmm. people feel like they want to be the final word or something? I don't know. Well, like we had mentioned, if someone tells me don't use a material, it makes me very curious as to why I shouldn't use the material or why I shouldn't do a certain thing. And I just look at it like, okay, well, I'm going to try this now. and. Sometimes it helps my process, sometimes it's detriment to my process, but at the end of the day, I've made a decision to learn for myself. And I think that's what a lot of people need to learn is how to do things for themselves in their process. I really like that reaction because it's a more positive take on it. You are putting the ball in your court to make that decision yourself. I just feel like a lot of the pieces of advice that people are given, it's almost like it instills fear into you <laughs> to say, oh my gosh, if I do that, I'm gonna be terrible. Or if I do this, I'm gonna learn it the wrong way. And I, I don't like that method of teaching, teaching through fear or even through guilt. Like, have you ever heard this one? People say, if you wanna improve your drawing, you have to draw consistently. Sometimes people say you have to draw daily. And I find this, totally unsustainable. Mm. Why do you find it unsustainable? 
because life happens. <laughs> There's just so many days. My kid needs to be driven here. I'm exhausted. I mean, then you feel guilty if you say, oh, I'm going to draw every day. That's how I'm going to. And then you miss one day. You feel so crappy about yourself. Yes. Yes. And I also think that consistency is sort of not very aligned with being a creative person. What do you think? Being creative is not something that you fit within a time constraint. I think it's more something that you actively participate in in your daily life. So if you consider yourself creative or if you want to be a creative person, the first step is realizing that you want to incorporate creative things into your everyday routine. You don't have to draw every 10 seconds for it to be successful. You don't have to necessarily take a photo every 10 seconds. But if you're actively working on things creatively and challenging your mind, then you're already taking steps in the right direction. Yeah. And I think while it's great to absorb all these different things, I mean, there's never been a more incredible time to learn art without paying a hefty price in academia. But I think the difficult thing is filtering through, well, hey, who do I listen to? I mean, if you're a total vignetter and you don't have any premise to refer to, it gets very confusing. Tell us in the chat, how do you guys go about just sorting through the immense amount of information? Do you find it confusing? Are there any ways you've sort of figured out that, oh, this really is bad advice? Because the draw everyday thing, it's everywhere. There's all these challenges. Inktober. And I just think that they're so stressful. I mean, would you find it stressful if I said, Dorian, you got to draw every day or you're going to stink? <laughs> I think the first thought that comes to mind is once I'm told I have to do something every day, that adds an element of stress to it. Versus if I'm looking at myself and I'm like, I want to get better. I don't necessarily have to even post it every day, but if I want to get better, I'm going to work actively every day on something new. Do I record it? Maybe. Do I not record it? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a good point from Jazz, who says, you can schedule 10 minutes to draw in a day. It's like having to walk the dog and feed the fish. That's not to say that it's bad for everybody. Some people, it really helps to say, you know what, this is my goal. I'm going to do it every day. It's like picking up poop in the backyard, which I do every morning to stretch my legs. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> but I just think when the advice becomes something that stresses you out, makes you feel guilty, makes you feel bad about yourself. I don't care what that advice is. It's bad. You got to stop it because advice shouldn't make you feel that way, right? What's the most stressful advice that you've received? I think for me, it's probably that I have to do my best all the time. You got to try your best. And I'm like, I don't think I can do that all the time. You know, sometimes doing some part of your practice that's a little mindless, it, it actually feels kind of good. Like, I don't want to be mm -hmm. brainstorming for three days straight. 
just that's a lot of energy being expended. That's a lot of time. And it's almost like you're reinventing the wheel sometimes because you look at your process and you go back to parts of you like, ah, I could do this better or I could do this. But mindlessly doing things like how fast do you think if you were to look at me right now, because you're a great portraiture, as we can see behind you. <laughs> if you were to draw me right now, how much do you think the first version of you as an artist would have taken to draw me versus now? How long would it take? Oh, gosh. I would have been stressing like crazy about <laughs> Dorian. Oh, wait, maybe it's his nose. Oh, no, it doesn't look like him. What do I do? And now I'm like, I'm old. I don't care. You're just going to look like this, Dorian. You got to live with it, right? And so a lot of it <laughs> is in the attitude that you take towards drawing. Here's another one that I think is applicable to several skills. This concept that you have to learn this first before you're allowed to do something else. Have you ever seen some version of this? In this case, I'm talking about figure drawing. Yeah, there's always a prerequisite to model making where it's like, ah, in order to build this, you have to understand perspective or you have to understand this or that. And you don't, you really don't. Like it's helpful and it's very beneficial to speeding up the process and for some people, it's very nice, but you don't need to follow that. You can also create something for yourself and figure out what you need to do first. I almost feel like people are told that there's a set of required classes. You have to take these classes and you're not allowed to do these things until you've done these classes. And I just don't think learning is that linear. I think sometimes it is us simply jumping around and well, what about this oh no not that let's go do this i mean do you find you learn in a linear uh logical manner <laughs> i feel like i'm constant i'm like a bouncy ball being thrown as hard as it can in a room like i'm going from one wall to the next to the next to the next i'm on this project i'm on that project but that's I am as a person because I can't focus on just one thing if I know yeah. I have multiple things that I can do. I'm capable of multitasking and that's what I prefer to do in my method because it allows me to use ideas from one thing to the next. Mm -hmm. In the case of figure drawing, usually what I hear is you have to draw the figures accurately. You have to have perfect proportions. Everything has to be measured and i just don't think that's as important as people make it out to be almost like there's a hierarchy of skills that oh the proportion thing is the most important thing and i'm thinking to myself but actually i care about the marks i'm making which doesn't have anything mm -hmm. to do with proportions and so there there's no skill that i think is better do, do you think maybe that's what it is sometimes feel like this skill is more important than something else Not necessarily if the skill is more important, but how efficiently it's used. Because mm -hmm. I think in art school, they try and teach you how to efficiently use a specific skill versus if you're going kind of free willy, free nilly, whatever, then all of your focus is like, okay, how do I get from A to B? Like, do you feel that in your process, you were able to 
make that link from A to B a little bit faster because of your art school background? I think probably yes, because obviously art school, you have all these advantages. But one thing I did really like about art school was they don't tell you to focus right away. At least in the case of RISD, you got that whole freshman year to mess around and do stuff. I think what would be really bad is if they say, okay, pick a major now, your first day of art school, <laughs> you're in industrial design. Like that to me is so limiting. And I want to point out what Joe says here. Everyone learns a different way. There should be room to do that in our unique ways. And I just feel like a lot of the online teaching that I see doesn't allow for that. And then what happens is beginners look at it and say, oh my gosh, I can't do that. That must be I'm bad. No, you're just different. That's all. It's not exactly fitting that template of learning. And we also have this here, Blighted Angel says, instead of draw accurately first, we should draw mm. what excites you first. Do you think that's true? I love that. Because also as a teacher and as just anyone who is showing their passion, you need to figure out what other people's passions are. Uh, you can't draw out someone's inner desires and inner wishes for their pieces unless you understand where they're rooting it from. Uh, so for me personally, if someone were like, okay, draw something you like, I'm immediately like, okay, I already know I want to do something related to basketball. I want to do something that's related to footwear. How could I do that? And if someone were to say, okay, draw this accurately, no, no. <laughs> it's not fun. It's not fun. Well, this is a very good point from Paula, who says, I think that most schools teach linearly, which is a big part of why people assume there's a specific hierarchy or order to learn skills. Example, certain classes have other classes as prerequisites. I mean, certainly there are definitely times where it's like, really? I don't think you should skip that. But I think it depends on the person. And one thing I like about our platform is that people really can customize their own curriculum in a way. I mean, we help people, especially in the Discord, because a lot of people don't know where to begin or don't know what they want to work on. So that's also important to get some individual feedback because it's very hard to do it by yourself. How about this one? To be good at drawing, you have to be able to draw anything from imagination so are you good at drawing dorian i'm proficient i draw everything that i screen print but i also make sure that i have references and a mood board like if i were to type in the chat to everybody draw a bike right now without googling it i know probably half the people would get really confused on the middle section of the bike like there's just certain things that you really have to be cool with just saying, okay, like I need a little help here. And that's fine. Asking for help and needing that extra resource is totally fine with your process. Do you have any areas where you're like, or actually, are you good at drawing straight from your imagination at this point? <laughs> you guys, I can't do it. I, I'm terrible. I am totally lost. I'm one of those people I cannot draw out of my head. I don't know what to do with myself. So actually tell us in the chat, how many of you here draw from imagination? How many of you are like me and can't do it? But I, I just can't imagine, like if you wanna draw a horse, 
why would you put yourself <laughs> through the pain of trying to number one remember what a horse looks like and number two be able to draw it i, I just don't understand why that has to be a skill that i would say dorian draw a garbage truck oh my god you can't draw it out of your head you're not a good artist like how, how does that logic work have you ever you know ai whenever you look at an ai photo has like four fingers on like a person's hand yeah. or it has just some really obscured misconstrued area that's what my brain is like whenever it's like draw from memory it will switch something to the wrong place <laughs> i mean there are some artists i know who are very good at drawing from imagination but i don't think they're better than me i think they're just <laughs> different and yeah exactly certainly there are certain fields where it makes more sense to draw things out of your head and other times it doesn't make a lot of sense but i i just think it's sort of an imaginary skill that people have built up that you're supposed to have that i just don't think a lot of people have like do you draw from imagination much everything that i do at this point is mainly imaginative but i do pull from all of my inspirations so as i said Many times ago, Basquiat is one of my favorite people. Jordan, if you're watching, or when you do watch this, I will debate you on why Basquiat is amazing. But <laughs> like, I pull from moments like that and Keith Haring to implement into my drawings, and that's where my imagination gets to go crazy. And that's why I think this is ridiculous. Using reference photos is cheating? Are you are you nuts? Like, how could you ever think getting raw visual information to help you articulate? What? Why? I've never understood this. Maybe somebody can explain a little bit better to me why people would think doing this. But it just feels like a lot of these pieces of advice, these myths that we're talking about, they're designed to make your life really difficult. <laughs> Well, most art classes that I've experienced also have, as you might know, the time drawings where you have five minutes to draw it in this pose, right. 10 minutes to draw it in this pose. And the only reasonable argument that there is, is you're not able to draw things quickly if you needed to. And I get that. Like, yeah. yes, but if I'm working on a piece that means something to me, I'm not rushing it. I'm taking the time, I'm taking the reference photos. And by taking the reference photos, I mean actually using my camera to take the photos. And I think, Claire, you also have a really great video on how to do reference photos. Yes, we do. We have multiples and you can see the correlation. I mean, I guess in theory, we could torture ourselves and try to draw everything from our imagination. But have you ever been to, let's say the zoo and you're like, I know what flamingos look like. And then you go see them and you're like, you guys are really weird looking. I had no idea your tails did this, right? Even looking at a dog, their paws are so strange. They're really weird looking. And how would you ever know that out of your head? In fact, I know people say, oh, your imagination is so wonderful. But I actually think a lot of us, we think things look a certain way in our heads, but they don't look a lot like that actually. So in that sense, our imagination is actually quite limited 
compared to us looking at a reference photo or if your cat dressing up like Jordan in a leather suit for a character design reference. I mean, to me, this reference photo expands Cat's creative capabilities for making this piece. Well, this is interesting. How it doesn't just follow. Mm. I know. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Jazz says using somebody else's photos is cheating, is what I've heard. Well, in that case, I'm a cheat because I do it all the time. Well, I would argue it is cheating, but you have to add in if you don't give them credit because that's the biggest yeah. thing about plagiarism is not giving credit to the reliable sources or the source that you're pulling from. So if you're giving credit to the people that took those photos or if you even show the reference image that you had, you're already leaps and bounds ahead of the people that don't care to reference or give credit to. Yeah, it's, it's very complicated, that whole conversation about using someone else's reference photos. We do have videos about that because it's not very clear cut in a lot of circumstances, exactly what's cool and what's not cool. But I will tell you, it is not an accident that we have a free reference photo collection because Dorian, it's hard to get good references sometimes. Yeah, and people, are all very different like every animal is very different it's like a snowflake there are so many small little details that you can find in something that's related but not the same so it's really fun to just go through the reference photos and see what speaks to you because there's one photo that will absolutely and we also have a comment here from C. Cantrell, who says, there's not much I can draw from imagination. Even my main sketchbook, I don't, quote, see an idea. Every mark I make moves me to make the next mark. And yeah, at the same time, Jeanette says, me, I draw from imagination, and it's great. And it's <laughs> so different. And that's why the hyperbole drives me nuts. I'm like, why does everything have to be so narrow-minded? Why do we have to be told there's only one way to do things? And we're supposed to be in this very creative field. So what's up with that? Here's another one. You have to finish all your sketchbooks. Dorian, when's the last time you finished a sketchbook? I've finished two my entire life. Like, I've lost sketchbooks. I've use only one side of the sketchbook pages just so I can go back and do something different on the reverse of it. There's no way in the world that someone's going to tell me I need to finish a sketchbook. If I want to use a certain paper one day, I'll use that paper. <laughs> I honestly can't remember the last time I finished a sketchbook. I feel like in art school, I cared about that more, but I wonder if that's just because I was around all these other artists and you got kind of competitive, like, oh, how many did you feel in the past few months type of thing? And tell us in the chat, are you somebody who cares a lot about finishing your sketchbook? Which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I just think being told that a sketchbook is something that has to be finished. I don't think that that's true. It does feel good to finish a sketchbook. I know for a lot of people that feels like a really exciting milestone. So we're not saying don't finish your sketchbook. We're just saying, don't feel like a failure if you don't. I mean, why do you think people feel the need to make this a big deal, Dorian? 
finishing a sketchbook is almost in a way like finishing a piece of work but at the end of the day it's a sketchbook and the keyword in sketchbook is sketch so you're not going to have finished drawings you're not going to have fully fledged ideas and even if you do it's okay to not go through the entirety of your book like you can take breaks from a sketchbook you can be inspired you can write in it you can doodle in it whatever you want it to be that's what it functions as and that's the beauty of it so that's why i don't feel saying you need to finish one is the right thing to say like i feel like you should actively use a sketchbook is a better way of putting it because thumbnail yeah. sketches and things like this they speak volumes about your process and where your interests are kind of headed well jazz brings up a good point what do you mean by finish a sketchbook tell us in the chat what do you think is the indication that you have finished a sketchbook because you know some people start on page one and they go through i don't do that i just am like oh here's a empty sheet i i guess i'll draw <laughs> here and it's like it, there's no linear reasoning behind my sketchbook. I mean, there's stuff here, there's stuff over there. So it, it's just for me. Oh, I love seeing your sketchbook. That's so cool. We're going to have to get it, you to do a sketchbook video. Oh, happily. Oh, happily. <laughs> I think, Jazz, I suspect that people think about a sketchbook as finished when there's an image on every page and also when you sort of can't use it anymore because there's just no space to be doing anything. Speaking of thumbnails, and you guys know, I am the thumbnail sketch queen. I will get a tribute <laughs> like crazy about not doing thumbnails. And yet, Dorian, why are we saying this is not the case? You don't always have to draw thumbnails. I will happily go to a canvas sometimes when I'm feeling risky and I'm like, I'm just going to start on this one. Let's, let's, let's see how this goes. Let, like, let's see how it goes. So, yeah, I think it's more fun to just kind of go for it sometimes. You limit yourself in so many ways when you set restrictions like I have to do a thumbnail first or I have to do this first or I have to do that. This Like this beautiful example by Kat, there is a thumbnail. But you can also see all of the areas that she didn't clearly define because she just wanted to have fun with the process of making it and drawing it. I can't live without thumbnails. I feel lost. I don't know what to do with myself. But I do <laughs> think sometimes one thing I recommend for people to do if they're feeling a little stuck or they want to shift things up a little bit, you take away part of your process that you are normally reliant on and that mm. shakes things up because i have done a couple pieces on live streams where i didn't do any thumbnails because i was just demonstrating something and then afterwards i'm like you know what can i make this work i didn't plan but maybe i can move things and that that's another muscle you're exercising what do you think is the first thing you would test removing it since you brought it up specifically now what would you remove from your process right now to make a piece the next piece you did oh dear i mean i guess i could remove thumbnails but let's say i would do something else i think for me it would be 
not using as many references. Like maybe I start from imagination and then I bring in a reference later because I pretty much always start with the references. I'll collect the references. I'll do mood boards, the brainstorming, the thumbnail sketches. So if I don't start with that and I sort of rearrange the sequence that I usually work, I think would be really fun. And it's funny because even people who really look like they do thumbnails don't. So this is Song Kang. And some of you may have seen, she has done a couple tutorials with us. So we have this drawing, which has been filmed as a tutorial. And her work is so immaculate and so detailed. But you know what? She just fakes it. She doesn't sketch anything. I mean, isn't that sort of surprising? That's beautiful. I feel like the... The way that something can flow without a thumbnail is really amazing. So I guess I should try it someday. <laughs> okay. Here's another one that I think is tricky, but largely not very helpful. You have to work on your drawing until it's finished. Why do we have so much pressure on ourselves to finish everything we start? Because America, <laughs> uh, I, I honestly don't have an answer for that, but I do have an answer for working on something until it's finished, and that is just it's totally wrong. Being able to walk away from something and have the freedom to look at it with fresh eyes allows for you to make a stronger piece. And when you're blinded by staring at it all day, and then you submit it and you question why it's not as good as it could have been it's because you didn't give it the time and energy that it truly deserved you go through spurts of being tired you go through spurts of not wanting to make it but at the end of the day you still will make it even if you walk away i'm curious because you guys would not believe the number of unfinished things that are sitting around it's really absurd a lot of these are pieces that i started i came back to them never finish them, but I'm like, I will. I'm wondering, Dorian, out of everything that you do, what percentage of projects do you finish all the way to the finish line? For me, I think it's like 20%. I think it's really low. Like once I start it or once I start the idea of it? Because I think that's where the difference is. Once you've had the idea. Ooh, okay, then like 10%. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what if we do the, the making when you've already put your finger to the fabric with the needle? I would say end up finishing 60%, end up finishing that day, probably like 5%. Like, unless I'm on a time crunch and I need to finish it, I'm not rushing through it because I want to make sure that it's given, as I said, the time and the energy that it truly deserves as a piece. People can tell more often than not, especially when you're sewing, if you rushed. Well, Sepine says, I feel this one so hard, like I'm giving up or being beaten by the drawing. And Amber makes a good point. I want to be able to show people finished work, not just doodles. I get it. I mean, come on, it feels good when you finish something and you're like, yes. But I just think a lot of people don't realize how uncommon it is to finish a lot of pieces. 
I think I start way more than I finish. And, and that's okay because that's the other thing that people talk about too, is that if you didn't finish it or if you made the piece and you don't like it, you don't consider it to be successful. That was a waste of your time. Do you think that's true? Mm -hmm. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't think that it's true. I think that again, it aids your process and aids your development as an artist, but a big thing too is a marathon is finished in three steps. There's time and energy that goes into running a full marathon. You got to get to the end though. And as satisfying as it is to finish something for that instant gratification that we love, like Instagram, we got to go all the way to the finish line because that gratification is amplified a hundred times over. And when you look at the piece, you won't have any doubts in your mind that you did everything that you could in your mind make it the right. best piece for yourself well this is a good point from Anonbot. for me art isn't about the finished product it's about the process sometimes your emotion <laughs> and expression has given what the process needed that may result in finishing or not and that's okay absolutely sometimes i almost feel like the artwork is the leftovers that the artistic experience was the doing of it and it's like, oh yeah, I guess I got a drawing at the end. <laughs> and process is incredibly important. I just think people put too much emphasis on the final. And I'm like, you know what? It's okay for you to wander a little bit. Definitely. And we also have a comment from Lisa who says, I don't understand finished. If I like the piece as is, it's finished. How do you know it's unfinished? I think it's whatever unfinished is to you because mm -hmm. somebody might look at, for example, this is a painting I started in the live stream. People could look at this and be like, oh, you need to work on this anymore. And I'm like, yeah, but for me, I do. So Dorian, do you feel like you set your own finish line? <laughs> I honestly don't think that there's ever a finish line. I think that there's a moment for the piece where you're best decision is to stop and that's how i look at it because i will pull from pieces that i've made in the past and reinvent them and like all right this is what i learned from it so for a bag for instance i'll look at that make the pattern again try different materials or try a different sewing method and prove upon it and then that piece will be finished for the time but it's not yeah. the end so it's like a continuous making process that really is always going forever and ever and ever and ever and ever never ends <laughs> here's another one you have to have a style and i get why people think this because if we think about artists that let's say an artist you admire a lot of people will look at an artist they admire and say oh yes I know that artist's style. They typically do this, they do this, this, and this. But you know something, even artists we think that about oftentimes have a whole other body of work that's actually very different. And I was so surprised there's this one New Yorker cartoonist. I think it was Edward Corrin. I'll put the name into the chat. So he does these very sort of anxious looking cartoons, but they're definitely cartoons. But I just found out that he actually has spent a lot of time working on lithography 
And he had all these fine art, like nothing like cartoons. And so even people who have a style that they're famous for have something else going on. Do you ever find that that is the case, that we have more than one life as an artist? That's the beauty of being an artist is being multifaceted. You can change who you are, what you want to do. But again, there, the only foundational element to being an artist that I think is a must is you just have to be creative and you have to be willing to be creative. That is the only thing that you need to do to really start your art endeavors. Uh, so yeah, I think that's the best way of answering that one. Yeah, as Teresa says, multiple quote styles. Because I think, let's say you find a style and it's very successful and everybody likes it. Certainly you could just keep doing that forever and ever. But I suspect that most artists just can't do that. And it can be hard professionally because actually one of my colleagues at an art school in Boston, he did these paintings of cityscapes that were super popular at his gallery. And he told me, yeah, when I decided I wanted to do something else, my gallerist nearly had a heart attack. And so there are sort of, unfortunately, some professional consequences and that's hard to navigate too. Definitely is very hard to navigate. Do you feel like anyone, when you've, actually, I don't really think that you have a clear style, but I can tell when you worked on a piece based off of your color selection more often than not. Oh, really? So do you feel like people have recognized your style and do you agree with what people recognize your style as? I really don't feel like I have one, but people tell me I do. That's the funny thing. And I don't think I'm the only one who has that reaction which is sort of comforting because it's sort of like you have a style even though you think you don't it's always there it's a part of who you are and i i think for me sometimes if i'm trying too many things as an artist i can feel like i'm almost having an identity crisis i'm like who am i what am i doing and so when people say hey clara i notice this this and this about your work there actually is a connection i'm like yes i am who i am mm. <laughs> We have a comment from Aaliyah. Style scares me. Most of art scares me. But the fear is not that my art is not unappealing to others. It's that it's unappealing to me, despite everyone else loving it. Does this sound and familiar? Oscar syndrome. Oh, you yeah. You are talented and beautiful, and you can make whatever you want to make. But, again, make work that makes you feel good because you don't have to have everyone else love it. Not no, everyone's you going to understand your piece. Not everyone's going to like your piece. But as long as you make it and you put it out into the world, you are doing so much for other artists and other creatives. And whether you recognize it or not, it's essential for us to all keep growing as artists. Please join Dory and I in the Discord immediately after the stream. We will be in the post live streams channel chatting about all kinds of things. I know there are a lot of great comments that were in the stream that I wasn't able to get to. So the Discord chat is a great place to interact with us for some of those questions we miss. Plus, our Discord is awesome. It's a 24-7 art party. You guys should be in there anyway, because don't you want to be a cool kid? 
I was never cool. So now I'm like, this is cool. Anybody who's in there is cool, including me. So you should all join. <laughs> Think about joining our Patreon group. This is a wonderful group of artists. You get to share your art in weekly voice sessions with staff. I write really long critiques to people about their artwork. I provide support and advice. And most of all, you, guide, you find support in a small group of artists. Our server is huge. I think we're over 11,000 members now, which is overwhelming for a lot of people. So sometimes a smaller group like this is a little bit more manageable. And a huge thank you to all of you, not just our top Patreon supporters, because guess what? We made about $3,400 for our raffle, which is amazing. And thank you all for doing your part helping us make sure our content is free, that we have no paywalls and can keep our work accessible to everybody. Visit artprof.org. There's lots of content on there that's not on YouTube. Use the search bar. Artprof has podcasts. It's available on Spotify and also on iTunes. And Jubby and um, Yo-Yo have their butts here to remind you to subscribe for more art tutorials, critiques, and business tips. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye.